And now, a special preview of our son, Pete. Also, again, knew nothing about Pete Wisdom. When I learned that his mutant power was hot knives. Yes. I was, I was Hot finger knives. Do you surprised. love that, Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> Gordon Ramsay would love that would hot, hot knives. I, we, I joke that Pete Wisdom is the original hot claws. Um, <laughs> yes. Can he make other shapes or is it just knives? Well, it depends on who's drawing him. That's one of the things. Like mm. every artist draws his power differently. So Ken Lashley, who created Pete Wisdom, uh, drew them as these little, basically diamonds of white heat. There's, huh. you know, uh, Dotson draws them as Doritos on the ends of his yeah. fingers. They're chunky. And they sometimes can go all swirly. Yeah. And then there's there's other artists. I mean, honestly, your 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 lazier artists draw them literally as basically like Wolverine claws of flames stretching out of his his hands. That's that's kind of the version of it I hate. What but, is your preferred version? What is your favorite version of finger knives? Hot knives. <laughs> I, I I you know, I still like the Lashley Diamonds. I, I, mm. You know, the ones, the versions where they show like where he's almost got like lasers coming out of his hands, like 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 a finger cyclops. That always kind of bothers me. <laughs> OK, finger there, cyclops. Amazing there was one visual. Time, and I, oh, my God, it was it was either Carlos Pacheco or, or Casey Jones. And of course, I'm blanking now. But this was this, to date. This is my least favorite use of, of his hot knives. He jumps. It was Casey Jones because it was issue 100. He jumps out of a plane to catch some guy he's going to fight. He basically has like an issue long, like Peter Griffin and the giant chicken fight. And he uses his hot knives to slow his descent. Like they're like, to like oh, Iron Man weird. repulsor jets. Oh, no. I, I No, that defies no. even made up comic book physics to me. Yeah. So if in 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 your opinion, if he were to fire his hot knives directly into the ground, how far would they go? Would they hit molten lava and come out the other side, or, oh. or would they just go several feet into the ground? I'll take my, I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> okay. No, this is this is okay. So I would say several feet, several but. Feet. Uh, Last month, I had uh, Daniel Kibblesmith on, and we were we were talking about Pete Wisdom's powers, and no one is saying he's like an Omega level mutant or anything like that. But his powers are probably more than we realize or have been written. It's probably one of those things like the right writer comes along and the right plot comes along, and I, I mean, if he's got knives as hot as the sun, I mean. I mean, that could that's be really problematic. Hot. That's hot. <laughs> that's really, really hot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because, like, it's it's hot knives. Yeah. They are hot. Yeah. I know, hot. How much hot training has he done with these knives? Do you, Is he a really focused training guy? Or did, did he's like, I, I don't get that impression. You know, or no. is he like, I'm having a smoke and fingers for knives? He knives and fingers. Hot, hot fingers. Hot knives. <laughs> <laughs> he does not tend to like using his powers he's mm. you know and in fact like i wouldn't say he pops his hot knives like with every peer appearance yes. that's not his like first okay. uh his first move. resort does, does he ever shoot hot knives by accident i know what you're trying to get to 
not yeah that's exactly what you're, I'm trying you're getting to, get to the bedroom aren't you i am getting to the bedroom and i'm going that seems very dangerous <laughs> seems dangerous to have your boy but, okay your, here we go if if your partner is kitty pride i think everything will be okay because <laughs> she'll just face she'll, <laughs> she'll just face and then they'll just have to explain that as they're paying for the hotel room Sorry about the the bed, finger knives. Hot finger knives. Hot finger knives. Hot and toasty finger knives. Crunchy, toasty finger knives. Couldn't be helped. Um, <laughs> it, it almost presupposes he should have like, like if cycle, God, like Ruby quartz thimbles. <laughs> oh, oh man, smart. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Like I rubbers. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What about his toes? Uh, nothing out the toes near as I can tell. Okay, yeah, that's a different mutant. Different mutant. <laughs> that's the Laura Kinney version of uh, Pete Wisdom. <laughs> that's right. Want more? Subscribe at patreon.com slash WMQ Comics. Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz, and this week's guest is celebrating 15 years of making comics with an art book called Zordo, uh, currently crowdfunding on Zoop, Jorge Molina. Hello. Hey, nice to meet you guys. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation, and um, it's great to, you know, talk about comics. <laughs> you don't get to talk about, about it a lot. <laughs> uh it, it it sure is and, and let's get started doing that uh jorge what are some of the first comics that you remember reading oh, i remember reading that's uh, yeah it's funny like i never read comics i always was very uh attracted to the art so it, it was until cartoons that i started you know getting involved into the storylines like cartoons are what got me into it at first, I was just amazed by the drawings, and I, I always wanted to collect like anything that had Spider-Man or Batman. But I, and, and even like I live here in Mexico, so we don't have comic. Book, well, we, we do have now, but we didn't have like in the nineties uh, comic book stores where I could just go and pick up a comic and, and like follow, you know, a whole story arc. So I would just get what I had, you know, around me sometimes in the in the, in the in the market that will just pick up a comic or my dad will bring you just comics at home and i had no idea like what it was it just like oh this is batman this is so cool and it probably wouldn't be until months later that i would just get another batman comic and obviously they were not connected at all or anything and from that i started like reading more comics um but i was almost teen a teenager back uh, back then i guess when the whole a cliffhanger era started and i remember i was obsessed with joe matt's um battle chasers and that was like the first comic that i actually like read you know and from then i just like picked up a few comics here and there but it never i never picked it up as an actual hobby like i was more into just video games and watching cartoons you know <laughs> All good hobbies, all good things to get into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what's just more accessible to me since the comics was a very niche culture here in Mexico. So it wasn't like easy, not only to get comics, but to have people around you that were into it. 
So it was like a very special group of friends that I had that were into comics. Oh, right on. Now with Battle Chasers, uh, I'm I'm kind of curious because uh, you know Joe Matt kind of fell off there uh, after <laughs> after a few issues. Yeah, but the, the but the one that were there was so special and so great. Absolutely. And I'm glad he actually picked it up after, uh, you know, I, th I think it was a couple of years back that he did a couple more, didn't he? Like, yeah, he did, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he had the video back. game. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, there that's was the video cool. game. Yeah. But uh, we're not here to talk about Joe Matt. We're here to talk about you. And you're here <laughs> to to promote the uh, Zoop campaign for your art book, uh, Zerdo, celebrating 15 years as an illustrator for comics and video games. Uh, this campaign, it's already fully funded. It, it was fully funded like five hours after launch. So at this point, are you just sort of kicking back with a Mai Tai and relaxing at this point? <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I could say yes, but um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to reach all those additional goals, you know? Like, I want I want the, this book to be as best as it could be. So obviously, the more goals that we reach, the more I can just go crazy on this and, and bring the best quality that there is to this book you know i want to add like like a full tutorial like a lot of people always ask me about what's my my process when i do traditional art like the materials that i use the type of paper what's uh you know my process into layering and coloring and all that and sometimes i don't even know what i'm doing but i guess it would be fun just to like try to dig into what i'm doing like when i do it make it a conscious effort and decision to record what i'm trying to do because i never followed the same path but there's some techniques here and there that i think could be interesting to explore and to to show in the book so we're actually reaching for that 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 next goal to be able to feature uh, some of that content that would be great and right now i'm just like this whole since starting last week and today i'm been gathering just original scans from collectors that uh, unfortunately I lost a couple of uh, high-res files so I'm putting you know everything together try to make it you know as, as, as cool and, and as raw I guess as possible like I, when I look at other artists art books I always like looking at the raw stuff looking like like taking a, a sneak peek at the skeleton or, or, or what's the the thought process behind the final final image you know so that's like what i want to bring into this book so I'm, I'm very happy for everyone and thank you for everyone that that supported the campaign and, and it's helping me to to make this you know goal come true this dream um what made you want to do an an art book now you know apart from kind of hitting that 15 year mark in your career well, there's a couple of, uh, I think, I guess you could say feelings behind this. Um, from one, um, last year, I kind of, for the first time in 15 years, I kind of stopped doing comics, like, completely. And, mm -hmm. and 15 years before that, I never did that. Like, comics was something that I was always a constant in, in, in my life. And... Even though I'm moving to a different thing, comics is still like a very special thing to me. And and I never want to stop. That doesn't mean that I will stop doing comics, but but it, it was the first time to me. It's like, wow, like it's been 15 years that I've been doing this. It's like, 
I'm gonna be stepping in maybe not a new industry. I'm doing video games now, but mm-hmm. I, I will be focusing my whole time on video games now. And it was like, man, like I want to look back at all the stuff that I did when I first started. You know, like I'm starting my career in, uh, in comics. Like I want to see what were my first works there, and how I started evolving, and what techniques I started to learn and develop, and and kind of like a retrospect of how. I evolve as an artist and in, in, in my style. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. And the other one is um, whenever I do shows or comic cons, people always ask me, it's like, do you have an art book? Do you have an art book? Like, no, I don't. And, and, and I started to like question why I don't have an art book. And I came to the realization that it was mainly because I lacked the, the self-confidence of having one. And I always thought like, am I good enough to have an art book? Like, will people like an art book? And and like enough people are asking, but I don't know if enough people will like that one. And I decided that there was never going to be like a good time to like have an art book. Like I probably never feel ready, but I thought it's like, well, I have enough material at least to like have something. So I think if I put enough work and effort into it, maybe I could, do something that I feel proud of and, and, and select the stuff that I really like from the work that I've done in comics. And, and not only in comics, like there's some stuff that I, for concept work that I've done there too, you know, but it's mainly comics. And I thought that I think there is no right time. Like it, it all depends on me. So that's why I decided just like, let's, let's do it, you know? And, and it's fun because it, it was one of my new year's resolutions. Like I posted a Twitter and I was like, I want to do an art book someday. <laughs> and the guys at Soup were like, hey, you want to do an art book? We can do that for you. It was like, oh, really? Like that fast? I was like, yeah, yeah, let's get going. So Jordan was amazing because he was like, you know, like an arrow. It was like, okay, let's get things ready. You need, I need this from you and this from you and this from you. And let's set dates. And it's like, oh, like this is real now. Like, and I need that, you know, like as, a, as an artist, we tend to like, you know, be very easygoing and, and, you know, try to relax, but sometimes we need someone to whip us into shape and be like, all right, let's get right down to business. So <laughs> uh, that, that, that tracks, I, you know, <laughs> I, it, it's just, I, I love this idea of Jorge is just wondering aloud, man, maybe I should do an art book this year. And Jordan just shows up in a trench coat from out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, you want to do an art book? Yeah, I got, I got you. <laughs> but it was it was godsend because I mean it, it was literally I had no idea where to start. And having Jordan there was like, hey, this is the path. Like we've been through this path, so it was a no-brainer for me. It's like, all right, that that makes sense. Like I can't do this by myself alone. It's like I'm happy to to do this with these guys who have all, all the experience and and do this for a living. So it was a no-brainer. Why not? So I I, I kind of want to go back to something you, know, you talked about like last year you, you reached a point where like all of a sudden you just weren't working on comics was it like a thing of of like you had finished your your Batman commitments and you just kind of looked up and it was like well you know I'm doing plenty of video game work um wow I just realized I don't have like a comic deadline to hit <laughs> how about that <laughs> yeah it was kind of like a like a mix of things it's just weird like at some point point it was my own decision is like. I, want, I wanted to do something fresh, something new, and I just started venturing into 
testing the waters and see if like maybe I would like to do more concept work. And I just started, you know, looking for concept stuff and then this uh, great opportunity to work with the with the guys at the initiative on term Raider. I worked with those guys a couple of years back and it was like everything just came together and matched perfectly because they needed concept artists and already worked on the title. So it was like, yeah, I mean, of course, let's, let's do this. So, yeah, like it was, I kind of bumped into it in a way, but I was looking for it in a way. So I don't know. They see, they say that sometimes when you call out things, things come. So I guess <laughs> it's a little bit truth to that. <laughs> a lot of manifesting going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so where is the book at in terms of production at this point? I'm like just getting started. Like I'm actually, I had a meeting yesterday with the editor and she's going to be putting the whole book together and we're going to go through revisions. The next couple of weeks, I'm just going to be gathering material. Like I mentioned, I lost a couple of original art scans. Mm -hmm. So I will be getting as many as I can from collectors. And once I have like the old material that I want to, then I'll start uh, with the editor to putting the actual book together and the pages and and yeah, from there, the guys at Sub will take it and do their magic. Do you handle your own art sales or do you have an agent who you were able to get to reach out to the people they sold to? Yeah, I have an agent. Um, I've been working with the guys at Candens for the last, I think it was four years, maybe three, four years. Before that, I had a couple of other reps. Some of the times my wife will be the one that uh, will make the sales. But now with two kids, it's impossible that my wife helped me. So <laughs> we decided to to delegate these to the pros. And, and, and the guys can have been amazing doing that. So it was it's just been uh, much easier to, to, to let somebody else handle that. So uh, let's let's talk. I guess let's start with the the cover illustration. You know, was that an 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 original piece from you? Was that something you created for the book, or was that like something from the very beginning that you kind of revisit revisited? Yeah, uh, for that I wanted to find a theme for the book, and that's where the name uh, came about. The name Zurda, which means lefty in Spanish, and I'm a lefty myself, and I thought that. The idea behind the name of the book was embracing that left uh, side. That that, uh, especially in, in in my childhood, I will hear all these stories from my mom about how left-handed people were seen as as evil, as as, as witches, as and, and sometimes she would tell me uh, that pe uh, teachers will force the left-handed kids at school to use the right hand and sometimes they'll tie their hand and, and, and so they wouldn't use the left hand and it was seen like like something was wrong with you if you were a lefty so i decided just like to make a book about embracing that but at the same time the illustration i wanted to show that so show like what's 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 a zero to 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 a kid you know so i was like okay let's make it this a wizard or or uh yeah, like a, like a wizard. So that's the the idea that from the, the illustration. And after that, it took me a quite some time to like do that because I just did that cover on my free time on on nights and weekends. Um, but it was it was a blast. Like I love Procreate and and 
how versatile the, the the program is and be able to emulate traditional art like pencils uh, with that. So that was a, a fun cover. I don't get to do a lot of personal covers uh, nowadays. So that's mm -hmm. it was a great feeling to like explore and do something just completely original and, and have no limitations. Obviously, there's art in here from your work at Marvel, DC, you know, uh, video game concept design work, uh, you know, and you mentioned there's also some some never before seen personal stuff in the mix. How much time did you spend kind of going over your work and deciding, you know, what what makes the cut? What is makes for a good mix of, of you know, points in your career and also the stuff you've worked on? Yeah, I mean, it's been an ongoing process right now. Like, I'm still going through that and I'm trying to filter what I think is the best stuff. But at the end, I that's, that's I think, that's the last criteria is, like, what I like. Like, I, I'm not going to be putting anything that I don't like, I guess. Or, or, or what can people learn from these pieces? Like, maybe they can see my process or they can see my errors and, like, see how I fix something. So I'm trying to pick not only finished art, which sometimes is, is great to look at, but I want to focus a lot on, on, on the process of things. So you, you will be seeing like, you know, rough sketches, then the tight pencils, then the inks, and then the colors, you know? So you get an idea of how the whole thing goes from start to finish. And maybe just a little explanation there, just like, my thought process behind it and, and, and some of the times that go into that, you know, because sometimes uh, you'll see an Instagram or social media and you see this transformation is like, looks like magic, but I mean, these things take time. Like it takes me a long time to, to just do one cover or one page. So I want to, I want to break all the, all the little magic, I guess, and, and give you something real, something, you know, that you can, wrap your head and be like okay this is what it takes to do a piece like this you know so I'm, I'm i'm going through the process of picking you know what i think are the best pieces to represent that what what's a piece in the book that you remember being particularly challenging Whew. <laughs> there would be a couple of commissions there and i think the challenge from the there's one that i have in mind uh, it's it's a Batman. I think it's Batman Flashpoint. It's the, that's uh, Thomas Wayne, mm -hmm. where there he has a, a red moon behind him, and that one was just a mess. Like I did that in my room in. Can't remember what it was. It was it was, it was in Chicago, I think, and I remember I spilled all my ink on that Batman piece, and I was at the point where I was like, I might need to start over and it's a big piece it's an 11 by 17 and I was already putting colors on that and everything and I was like all right no I'm, I'm gonna save this thing I'm gonna power through and, and figure out how to way a way to like you know make it look good and it worked out like I, I I didn't finish that piece there I was like okay I'm gonna take my time I'm gonna take it back home I'll do it in my studio where I have more tools and to figure this out and to this day, I think that's one of my favorite commissions. Like, it's incredible just to see the whole roller coaster of emotions and, and, and process that went into that one because it was a mess. Like, I remember my art was at, at the hotel that, that night, and I told him, like, I think I fucked up that 
Batman piece. It's like, <laughs> my, we need to start off with like, what? Are you kidding me? And I show it to him. It's like, damn, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty messed up. It's like, I know it's ink all over. But, but, it, but it worked. It worked. I think, I think it's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, is there another one that has sort of great personal meaning for you? Huh. Great personal meaning. There's, yeah. There's one that I hope, I hope, um, fingers crossed, that I'll be able to feature in the book. It's a Batman, and not, not a Batman, an X-Men uh, anniversary piece. Mm. It's never been seen before. I haven't even released it. It's, it's a Marvel licensing, so I'll have to wait until they actually make the announcement and all that. But I worked on that piece last uh, year, and it was one of the most challenging pieces because there's just a lot of characters in that one. And, but to me, it was very special that they asked me to to do that piece because the X Men were like so special and iconic um, growing up that I, it was like a realization. It's like, oh my god! Like, you know, if if someone would have told me when I was fifteen years old that I would be doing a six-year anniversary X Men piece, I would have never believed it. And, and and to me, it was like. It's surreal to be able to to do that with the, my favorite X Men characters because, I mean, I asked the edge. It's like, what characters can I feature here? It's like, all the characters you want, and it's like, what outfits can I put in this? And it's like, any any outfits you want. So to, to me, it was like an old brainer. Like I'm a '90s kid. It's like I'm gonna pick all the '90s X Men and I'm gonna put them all in their '90s outfit, and just enjoy the hell out of this one. So, hopefully, yeah, I, I think. I might be able to fit that one in them. Fingers crossed. As as we've said already, uh, Zerto means lefty in Spanish, and you know I don't I don't know that we've ever actually talked to an artist specifically about being left-handed. You know, are there things you have to do differently when drawing to account for that? Um, when I was a kid, I did like I I remember I used to smudge a lot of my paper when I was drawing. So I kind of had to learn how to avoid and go around that. So I will always stick a, a paper underneath my hand to not smudge as much. Nowadays with digital art, like that doesn't matter. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't matter now. But that was one of the very few things that I remember um, always being concerned about. Even, even when I was in art school, like I would look at other people's art and I was like, man, they're so clean. Like, why my stuff look so dirty and messy? And that was a, a big part of why it's because it's, it's just being left-handed. You are trained to like write from left to right, left to right. So it's just nature to draw from left to right too. So you just go over your drawings the whole time. Um, but I mean, after years, I I, I kind of got accustomed to like being aware of avoiding my pencils and doing a couple of techniques with the paper and I use a lot of like the gloves the smudge guard gloves that to avoid uh, smudging so that's one of the very few limitations but other than that I don't feel it's been like a something that 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 stops me or limits me in, in a way at all you've worked digitally you know you've worked with with you know pen and paper of course you know do you have a, a preferred medium you know even you know not necessarily even digital versus you know physical but like you know 
pen yeah, and ink versus it, marker. <laughs> it it goes back and forth. Like it's 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 it depends on the year that you ask me. Um, because today I will tell you that digital. Like I'm I'm in love with digital right now, and that's one of the big reasons why I decided to pursue uh, some video games because it's all digital, uh, and, and the freedom that you have to like try out things and and test you know techniques and sometimes I'll, I'll i'll take a picture of something and put that picture into my drawing and use it as a texture and and you can just test things out that testing it in real life will not only take way more hours but it will be like a lot of effort so that on digital it's, it's a great advantage that i enjoy a lot on the other hand if you were to ask me two years ago I was in love with doing traditional stuff and I'm still love to do traditional stuff. Like it's, it's a different mindset. It's more peaceful, I guess. And then just being able to connect and be alone and, and try to make this image as, as real as possible sometimes or, or as real to me, try to like invest in my technique and, 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 and put all the detail that I, that I picture and, and, seeing the picture you know come alive like that uh, it's it's something that i enjoy a lot like it's my, my my wife always tell me it's like this is finished and i was like no i, I can still keep going it's, it's hard to stop uh when, when doing traditional art because i don't know i just get lost in doing the details and i love that what is what's one way that you've noticed that your style or your process has evolved over the last 15 years huh I think uh, in a way it's been a conscious decision at some point. When I first started doing comics, I was way more cartoony in my style and more more animated, and I love that style too. And um, but as the time progressed, I started venturing and picking up stuff from other artists that I admire and I love, and my style started to change. And some people might call it somewhat realistic, but I guess. I try to adapt my style depending on the characters that I draw. Like I won't draw the X-Men in the same way that I would draw Batman. You know, Batman requires more wax, more rendering. You can go greedier with Batman. Whether the X-Men to me, I always make the connection of the cartoons. So to me, it's a, a slightly cleaner uh, look, you know, uh, Spidey. Like to me, Umberto Ramos and Spidey is very iconic. So there's, something that I need to have from Umberto when I do Spidey. Um, so it, it, it goes back and forth, and I think it, it changes depending on what I want to draw. Um, and that's one of the things that I always question is, like, do I have a style? Like, I'm not sure if I have a style. Uh, I, I always like to explore new things and new techniques and new mediums. So it, it, does that mean that you can distinguish my style, whether it's digital, traditional, or whatever character it is. I don't know, <laughs> but um, and I I don't know, and, and I don't care. Like as long as I enjoy, and I think I'm doing the best work that I have in me, and that that's that's all I care about. At the end of the day, I think my style evolves automatically, just by picking up stuff that I like from other artists. Um, who are kind of your artists, you know, who did you look up to coming into the industry? 
Well, um, to me, the, the, the cliffhanger guys were very, very special and uh, growing up in the 90s. So like Humberto Ramos, uh, Joe Mad, uh, J. Scott Campbell, those were huge growing up. And after that, I started, you know, getting more into the artists and, and you know, Travis Cherist, um, Adam Hughes, um, Alex Ross, you know, the, the, the big guys. <laughs> Um, it's just it's impossible not to just be in awe of their work so I think that's that's the generation that that stuck with me growing up now uh what art books from other creators do you own oh that's a good question damn like I own a lot so I'm just trying to think at the top of my head oh I have one right here. I don't know. I have the Sean Murphy. He signed it for me. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I have a Sean Murphy right around here. I have uh, Adam Hughes, the cover runs that he did. I have a bunch of Alex Ross. I have the Umberto Ramos too. I have some Mark Brooks. Um, damn, I have an Oliver Coipel, a little tiny one that's amazing. I have some Travis also. Oof. Um, yeah, I think I have... Pretty much all the artwork from the guys that I like. I like I have a, an Otomo from the uh, from the Akira anime too. Hmm. I I I I like collecting just all types of art books. So it's just like from video games to like classic uh, artists to like comic book guys. I have a bunch of that. Yeah. What do you remember about your first? paid comics gig hmm my first paid comics gig i think that was uh, with udon comics um that was doing dark stalkers or probably street fighter okay back then um i did some of that and i remember being like so happy about just making some money it wasn't that much but still it was like and it was dollars, like I was used to pesos. So it was like, man, I have dollars now. <laughs> so uh, it, it was uh, that time. And I was still in college. So to me, just like being able to have some earnings, just drawing the stuff that I love was, um, I don't know, I was like, is this for real? <laughs> so thankfully after that, it just kept going. And I still uh, worked with Udon for a couple more years after that. And, and, Thankfully, it never stopped. Like, I never stopped uh, working in comics after that. So I'm very thankful for that. What was what was the first gig that where you felt like you, quote unquote, made it? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough puzzle. Like, I think there's a couple of, like, needed moments. To me, the one that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm in the comic book business now, I guess, was... Uh, when I first joined Top Cow, um, I think that was 2006 or 2007. And that time, I remember they, they had the pilot seasons where they would just gather artists and writers and put teams together. They would all pitch their own story. And then the fans would decide like which of those stories will have a pilot. Or I mean, guess I guess there were all pilots, but which one was going to launch as an actual series? Mm -hmm. And I partnered with um, Jay Faber, and we did this comic called The Urban Myths, 
And I love doing that comic so much. Like Jay's whole story about this um, mythical characters. Like the main character was this Medusa investigator called Jack Medusa. And he has this like iron mask to not be able to turn people around him into stone, you know. And he has his hairs with like snakes and all that. And he will go into the underworld to save this uh, kid. And it was like this whole story, kind of like a little bit of Hellboy, spy, Hellboy type of vibe. But with a fresh spin on, on, on the whole work creation that he did for that. And, and that was some of the more, most fun gigs that I had working in comics because I was able to do like just about everything. Like I did the pencils, the inks and the colors for that, which is rare for me to do in comics. So to me, that book was like, all right, like, I feel proud of this and people like it. Like we didn't win, <laughs> the, the, but but to me, it was like, I can do this. Like, I feel confident. Like I, I was able to do a, a full book. I think people like it. And from there, like the, all the editors were very happy with, with, with the book and how it came out. And ironically, it was a good thing that I didn't win because right after that, I got hired in Marvel. So if I had won, I wouldn't have been unable to join Marvel, you know? So <laughs> it was it was like a how they call that a gift in in wrappings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I think that that that, that book, uh, Urban Myths, was was a very special one. You've drawn a lot of the big dogs, uh, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, the X-Men. Uh, Star Wars. Who's who's left on your on your list there? Huh. Damn. Yeah, because I I think those are my favorite ones. Like, I could keep drawing Batman or Spider Man forever. Hmm. Which one is left? Uh, there's two guys that I like a lot. I like Lobo, and I like the Punisher. So. I don't know, something with those, either a, a Punisher or a Lobo, even a cover. I would love to do a, a Punisher cover. I don't know, for some reason, I, love, I like the, the character. Pretty cool. Um, what, what is, what's the first time like for each of these? Like, you're, you know, you're coming up in the business and an editor calls you or emails you or whatever, and he's like, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for this Spider-Man story we got coming up. You know, what, what is that like for you? Um, yeah, that was a, when I was in Marvel, an exclusive, and and... That's the thing. When you for, you you're first starting, you always try to wonder. It's like, how much can I push back, or how much say do I have if I'm on a contract? You know, like if they offer me a book that I'm not interested in, can I say no? Mm -hmm. Will they be offended by that, or will they stop giving me, you know, gigs because I said no from this? So when I first started, I would just almost say yes to anything they'll throw at me. And there's a couple of books that, that that were not that great, but in a way, I think the editors were wise enough to give me stuff that they saw I enjoyed. And I guess that it, it they notice when you draw something that they you you enjoy. So, like doing X Men, I did X Men for a long, long time, and it was different mm -hmm. X Men books, but still like. I, I love doing the X-Men. So any X-Men book that they will throw at me, it was like, yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> being able to draw Wolverine and Cyclops and Storm just any day. So it, it, it was always something very exciting. Of course, when, when I, I, I get the offers from like Star Wars or Spider-Man, it was like no brainers. Like, 
yes and even the star wars that i was, I was not a, a big fan but i wanted to like i, I understood the 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 meaning of what it is to do a, a star wars book so it was like i have to do it like i have to try to do a star wars book maybe this is the way that i'll find love into falling in love with this great uh story and 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 characters that everybody loves and and from there i started to like get into star wars more and more and more and nowadays i'm obsessed with the last jedi video games i play that a lot so um so yeah i mean it, it's always fun but it's always scary also you know because if i say no it's like <laughs> what what are they gonna think like what are they gonna say um but thankfully i mean the offers never stop coming and and if only I was, I'm, I'm, I'm very um, grateful to, to have those opportunities, I guess. Being Marvel exclusive for eight years, you know, was there ever that like brief moment of exhaustion where you're like, just for example, you know, if I have to draw one more fucking X-Men variant cover, I'll scream, <laughs> you know, any, anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I think it was every year because uh, it's very, especially doing interiors. Like now you mentioned the covers, like doing covers. I enjoy, I love that. Like, I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of doing covers because there ha you have more breathing room. They'll let you, mm. you know, take a week, do a cover and I can do, you know, pencils, inks, and colors. So that's great. Like I have my own thing and I know I have a finishing and a start and it's not that crazy. I don't have to figure out what my whole month is going to be. But for interiors, it's a different, it's different game. And you, you do get burned out because that the rate, the pace that the industry demands nowadays, like sometimes they will ship two books at the same month. So there were times it was like, it was like, I, I can't like I start having back problems because it's just nonstop, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, sometimes even weekends. So you, you did get some burnout uh, from time to time, but I will say the majority of the time it was it was a pleasure to to work on on, on those titles. It was just a very few titles that were where I had to rush. I remember there was this uh Captain America title that that deadline was like so tight that the inker had to ink over my layouts not even my pencils like all my layouts and after that book I decided to not do layouts anymore and mm -hmm. I thought the editors were gonna push back on that but I tried to explain it's like you know I like I'm wasting time doing layouts like why don't I just do final pencils like you already worked with me for so many years, it's gonna save me time and it's gonna save you time, and it's everybody's gonna be happy. So after that, I just stopped doing layouts and and things got easier from that because I was just knocking out just pencils, 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 and from then it's just like the anchor will take them. And after that, I came to like a good rhythm where I was always inking my own stuff. And I would just do like very loose pencils on the computers and I would just tie everything up with the inks. And that was great until, you know, I had starting the, the, the back problems and I was just like, hmm, probably going to have to stop and I start going more into digital. So it goes back and forth.
Sorry, I, I forgot the question. <laughs> that's okay. Walk you through the process. <laughs> Listen, it went places, and that and, and that's the important thing. <laughs> um, you know what? What actually? You know what? Let, let's talk about that because you did. You mentioned your back. You know what kind of? That's obviously a common artist lament. Uh, you know, especially the longer they are in the business. You know, what are the sort of things you sort yeah. of do to to protect that very important part of your body? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's a. Uh... Yeah, it's ridiculous because that's one of the things that they should tell you in art school. <laughs> like you should have, you know, health classes to like know how many hours you should be standing and 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 working because nobody tells you this about this. Like you you always think it's like I'm gonna be sitting for ten hours a day drawing using my left hand and not using my right hand and I'm gonna be fine for the next couple of years. And you know, you have to develop muscles to be able to support those stances and then that kind of works so to me i did everything i went to the chiropractor i went to uh massages i bought just about any type of device or gimmicky thing you could see on the internet just to see if i could you know get something but to me what made the difference was a couple of things i think the chiropractor was very helpful also getting a standing desk and put a timers. So like nowadays I will put just 30 minute timers and I would just go stand and sit every 30 minutes and I'll just keep working, but that's been very helpful too. And doing an exercise, like my doctor was like, this is your medicine. Like you have to exercise one hour every single day. Like there's no pill that's going to take that back pain. The only way to do it is just to get your body into the, to the shape to be able to handle that work because even though you're sitting all day it's still in a way demanding for your body so um i think that's what made the difference and also the type of work like that's i stopped doing interior work because of that because it was just too demanding for me like i'm, I'm not a fast guy like we were talking about joe mad <laughs> so <laughs> i i kind of relate and and, and and understand how demanding it, it can be so you know, stop, stop doing interior work for me was helpful too. So one of the uh, pieces that uh, we were shown as, as, you know, ideally something that's going into the book, it was a, uh, it was a gatefold variant for house of X number four. It features a number of the, you know, sort of main X-Men in like blue and gold costumes. So looking at them, you know, some of them like Wolverine and Gamut, you know, they wore those costumes once in like a Jim Lee story in 1991. And then there were some that were like uh, Nightcrawler and Colossus that I'm pretty sure never got a blue and gold yeah. costume. What was kind of the story behind that one? Yeah, it's a it's with the same guys that offered me um, the X-Men 60 year anniversary. They offered me this one. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because they are not part of the editorial team of Marvel. Like I think they they're more in the in the marketing side mm. and, and and the franchise side, but they they like when I do my own take on on some of the characters. Uh, I I I like putting uh, some some slightly design touches and edits here and there, just to make them more me, I guess, more personal to me. So they they really enjoy that take on 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 those characters, and they were like, you know what, let's just do all the outfits like that because when the, on the first sketches for that cover i had some guys using the the yellow and and, and blue outfit and some other characters were use, using the regular 90s outfit from the jim lee run 
but the editors were like, you know what? Let's let's do them all without outfits. So I was like, yeah, I mean that that's that's gonna be way cooler, you know. <laughs> so that's that's one of my most popular covers nowadays. And and uh, I mean, I, I I again, the X Men were so special. So mm -hmm. I'm very happy I had the opportunity to do that one too. Um, you also did Spider Get In, which means that you got to draw a ton of different takes on Spider Man. Uh, you know, a lot of whom more people know now because of the Spider-Verse movies. Uh, but you also drew a Spider-Hulk uh, for, for that yeah. one uh, Immortal <laughs> Hulk cover. Uh, you know, of, of those many Spider-People that you got to draw, which is the one that you feel like, this one's mine. This is my guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm terrible with names, but there's this Spider-Man from the UK, I think. Okay. He's one of it's it's he's in one of the books and he's like this big almost almost like a Hulk type of uh, guy, I think his name is Spy Spider UK maybe I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. He's the Captain Britain Spider Man hybrid. He's Spider Man exactly. UK. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and I, and I enjoy doing that because it was just a different take from Spider Man because I mean most of the times you do the you know like the athletic, or sometimes the skinny, but you never see this hulking big Spider Man. And to me, doing that character was a lot of fun. Like, I, I remember enjoying it a lot because you get to do, like, different silhouettes, different shapes that you'll never see Spider-Man in. And from then, it took it to the next level when I did the Spider-Hulk title because it was just, like, literally on steroids. <laughs> um, and then uh, one of our listeners, Asimov Fangirl, asked, is Spider-Man's costume of on that same level of difficulty as horses and bicycles and and other things nah not at all man no. not at all Spider-Man, <laughs> it's easy it's easy <laughs> it's just, you don't have to do you know a lot of symmetry with the eyes and nose and and the little details in the face it's just a mask so i mean as long as you learn the patterns on the on the webs mm. on the suit but yeah Spider-Man, it's it's a blast to draw because you get so much from the character in 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 the big shapes of the eyes that it's a character easy to draw, but at the same time you can get so much done just with those eyes. When and that Umberto was a master at that when when doing his Spider-Man run, because you can you know play around and they even did that in the movies where you can just like close the eyes and open the eyes and, and express so much emotion just by those two big eyes, you know. So it's it's a fun character. Uh over in DC, you co-created Abyss during your your run with with Josh Williamson. Uh, is there is there a dauntiness that comes with kind of creating a new rogue for for Batman and and uh, hoping it sticks? Yeah, uh, I try to avoid that. Like when I get that offer, I try to be a kid and 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 just be like excited about it i don't try to I, I i avoid thinking about the pressure and and what is this going to be when it comes out and what are going to people say it's mm -hmm. like oh man i got to do a new a, a batman villain it's like this is so cool i, I just want to do something cool that i want to enjoy like i want to draw this guy a hundred times and and always be excited about it so to me i just take it from there just take it from the from the core emotion of doing something that I will enjoy and try not to put that pressure of like, oh my God, 
this is a brand new villain. Like, oh my God, what are going to people say about this villain? Are they going to think that it's fresh? Are they going to think that it looks like some other villain, some, some other story? It's like I turn all that off and just enjoy the moment and the process of, you know, doing this brand new character. And and I, I think I'm 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 always consistent in getting in that mindset whenever I do anything. Abyss was a, a shadow guy, and you earlier were talking about you know with Batman, it's obviously grittier and darker than you would for Spidey, definitely with the X Men. How much of that shadow was you? How much of it was working with your colorist? Tommy Mori, did you work closely with them on this, or was it kind of like you did your thing and trusted Mori to do what they do? Yeah, um, especially for this Batman run, we worked very closely together, especially uh, with Joshua and and with Mori too. Like I remember, I, I I I, whenever I had something specific that I wanted to see in the colors, like I know that he can do anything. I mean, to me, he's one of the best colors in the industry so be able to work with that like that's one of the first things that i that i ask when when they offer me batman it's like is mori gonna be calling me please and they were like yeah he's gonna be calling it's like oh my god thank you that's amazing <laughs> because you know that it, it, anything he does is gonna look incredible so i had no issues there I, there was just a, a great collaboration in terms of like hey mori like i think this scene will have this type of mood maybe use will have like a like a like a night scene you know like very shady you know and he will just knock it off and like take it to the next level um but yeah it was a conscious decision to make uh, that arc a lot of contrast a lot of dark and a lot of texture because as i mentioned like to me that's batman that what batman represents on a visual language so uh, I, I was um very happy with with how that book came out just because i was able to explore something that i never done before um and and yeah like the colors came out amazing too so that was one of my favorite looking books in my career now you're getting to do a uh, black and white batman story uh in a, uh, it's coming out yeah. in a couple months with lansing uh jackson lansing and colin kelly uh how did you like doing the black and you know do, taking the black and white approach yeah, that's a that's fun story behind that one because I pitched that idea to DC even before I started doing Batman, and I was I just had some free time and I had this concept in in mind that I what if there was a Batman story where Batman is more like a vampire hunter D, and it's a younger Batman, it's a it's a more confident and 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 but at the same time arrogant, and he, I would place him in this very gothic noir type of uh, Gotham City where there's no dates, only night, and it's filled with monsters that haunt the people of Gotham. And how would that work? How would that look? You know, like in, in, in my head, I had this whole idea of like maybe having some Castlevania touches from the video games and maybe some Hellboy and the Witcher in there kind of all mixed together with Vampire Hunter Dean. How would that look? So I did a couple of test pages to to my editor Ben at DC. He was like, I was like, hey Ben, like you like this? Like what do you think? And he was like, yeah, hey, they look great, but you know what? We have this Batman run, and we need you there now. 
So we put the <laughs> pin on that and we left it on hold. And it was until last year that they approached me and it's like, hey, we're doing a Batman Black and White. I mean, would you like to do one? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I love Batman, especially Black and White. Like to me, that's that's the way Batman should be, Black and White. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, okay, well, that's awesome. There's going to be eight pages. Um, What story do you want to do? And it's like, well, do you remember that story I pitched you a couple of years back? And I was like, yeah. Like, can we do that? And I was like, yeah, fantastic. Let's do that. So they just uh, reached out to the, the to Jackson and, and Mindhive, uh, the whole team, and they loved the idea. Like, I sent them the original pitch that I had uh, from years back, and they were like, yeah, yeah, like, like let's do something with this. Let's let's just build on top of that. And they did this amazing. We we actually used the the Marvel uh, method to do those pages, oh. where we went back and hmm. forth with art. We kind of landed on a on on a flow of the pages. Since there were eight pages, it wasn't that uh, long. And from then, they these guys, you know, did all the all the the writing on top of the pages but it was it was a, a fun collaborative effort i never done marvel style before that so it was it was pretty cool to work with those guys and be able to pitch the ideas back and forth like we had a couple of meetings before that of like what we wanted the story to be and it was my first time to actually be able to have an input in the story like as an artist i always just have the final script and just interpret but on this time like already knew what my character wanted to be and I knew what my villain uh, wanted to be so it was great to be able to collaborate with, with these guys and, and be able to they, they listen to to what I had to say I mean I'm, I'm very grateful that they, they gave me that opportunity gave me the chance to like you know have my my vision shine a little bit there so it's I'm very excited for that book like very excited for that I think that's my best work so far in interior art. And I, I did a lot of crazy stuff with 3D for the backgrounds. I never done backgrounds on 3D. And for this, I learned to do 3D in Blender. So that was a lot of fun too. So the pages are, I think, look very cool. I'm very excited for that one. Awesome. And uh, looking forward to that. And uh, we know you got to go. So uh, Jorge, this has been a fantastic time. Final question before we release you back into the world. Uh, how can people follow you online and keep up with the Zoop campaign and, and everything else that you got going on? Yeah, I'm very uh, active on my Instagram. So I'm under Jorge underscore Molina M. So anybody wants to follow me, it's the same one on Twitter. So those are the main two ones. And just from there, I have everything uh, to redirect you to the campaign. So just follow me and hope to see you soon. Right on. Well, Jorge, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. Too. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shout-outs on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a Pete Wisdom Hot Claw sticker designed by Kevin Newburn. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, 
A $4 donation gets you access to Our Son Pete and the sticker. A $25 donation lets you plug your crowdfunded or creator-owned comic in a 60-second spot. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from Comics XF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Azabah Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF, assuming Twitter still works. And until next week, remember, somewhere out there, there's a Batman comic where all the characters simply cannot stop saying the word boner. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.